0: The book of Mark chronicles the last three years of Jesus here on earth. They were pretty intense years, to say the least. Since meeting John the Baptist, he was faced with temptations in the desert, performed miracles, healed people, gained followers, was transfigured and died a criminal's death, only to be raised from the dead. Why should all this matter to you and me? Join us for... The last three. Uh, Listen, I believe that uh, there are times in our lives that God opens a window, a dimensional window in front of us, and allows us to see in a very clear way the pain of people and the pain of the world. I believe that uh, window was opened before me in the last couple weeks. Uh, I can't remember a week where I was reminded of the brokenness of the world and the sufferings and the pains of people. Uh, Yesterday, I got to be a part of a funeral that took place in this very stage. Uh, It was the loss of a five-year-old from our church, a family that uh, lost their daughter. It was a very painful experience for all that uh, knew her and all that know her. Uh, The Sunday before, so this is last Sunday, I performed a funeral here also in this room of one of our members that lost both her father and her grandmother within a span of a week. This week, I was in Puerto Rico, uh, you know, looking at some ministry opportunities for Crossbridge, possibly, you know, a Crossbridge church in Puerto Rico, we don't know. But while I was there, I received a call from a friend of mine, he um, told me, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that uh, hospice is at my house and my 42-year-old wife is about to leave at any moment in time. Could you check on me on a daily basis? I need prayers. Not only was I reminded by uh, Marco and uh, Leonie's life and you know, the Khalil's and the loss of their family members. But others have come to me and just reminded me that there's so much pain and so much suffering in the world. And the reason why God allows us at moments in time to perceive the pains and the sufferings of others, the pain and suffering all around us, is to build empathy in us, to give us opportunities to minister to others, and also to build our faith because we all go through moments of pain and suffering in life. Now, When we go through these moments, it's very natural that we try to make sense of what's happening, what's going on, why. We're always asking the questions. Uh, In this passage that we're going to read today, as we go and journey through the gospel of Mark, Now we 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 see Jesus' public ministry, you know, starting and being launched. Last week we looked at the foundations that Jesus had established as his ministry was being launched. Today we're gonna see Jesus' ministry starting full force. And what the gospel of Mark tells us is that as Jesus starts his public ministry, he starts proclaiming the good news of God. of the kingdom of God but he also starts performing many miracles in fact from chapter the end of chapter one to all the way to chapter five there's a series of miracles that happen and take place through Jesus' ministry. And I believe it's by looking at the healings of Jesus, by looking at the miracles that he performs and restoring bodies and souls and spirits and families, that we are able to be encouraged as we go through pain and suffering in the present. And we're able to find the answers that many times we are looking for. So I want to invite you uh, to open with me in Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, the text is going to be on the screens as well. This is what the Word of God says. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the Word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd... They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, "What does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying we never saw anything like this this is the word of the lord so how do we make sense of pain and suffering i believe that this passage this uh, this healing experience that's recorded here in the beginning of the gospel of mark allows us to find some of the answers that we are looking for. There are three things that I want us to look at in this narrative, this famous narrative. Number one, I I, I want us to think about the bright side of pain. If there's any side that's bright to pain, we must look at it. Let's look at the bright side of pain. Then I want us to look at the surprising, right, the surprising nature of Jesus' healings. I think this text gives us an insight to that. And then lastly, the hope that his healings bring to us today. The healings that we read about in the gospel accounts. What hope do those healings bring for you and I that struggle with pain and suffering of all sorts today? We'll get to that towards the end. But first, what's the bright side to pain? And, and, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to glorify pain. This is not a masochistic type of church. We are not about self-flagellation. But we acknowledge that because we live in a broken, in a fallen world, that this world is a world that's subject to pain and suffering. The reason why there's pain and suffering in the world is not because God created the world this way. It was introduced by the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Because our forefathers sinned, pain and evil and suffering has entered the world as a consequence to sin. And we're all subject to it because we're all sinners. We're all born sinners. And in the same fashion, we're all subject to pain and suffering in this world. But in this season, in this moment in history, before the second coming of Jesus. We believe that Jesus will return one day. Before the second coming of Jesus, there is a purpose to pain and suffering. We may not know the purpose of pain and suffering in our lives, but if we knew everything that God knew, it would make sense to us. But I know this, that there is a purpose in God's Plan and God's sovereign will by which He allows us in the present to go through pain and suffering. Why is this crowd here? The text tells us that Jesus returned to Capernaum. Capernaum is this little town on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is this lake. They tell you it's a sea, but it really is a lake. Not that big as a matter of fact, where Jesus spends almost 75% of his earthly ministry. That's where he preaches, that's where he heals, that's where he encounters people, that's where he has conversations with the religious class. Jesus's ministry is done primarily around the Sea of Galilee. And there's a town there by the name of Capernaum that the text says that it's home for Jesus. That Jesus had returned home to the town of Capernaum. Many believe it's because... Peter, the apostle, lived there. There's a house there to this day that they attribute to the mother-in-law of Peter who Jesus healed. And it's in that town of Capernaum. That town was home for Jesus. Jesus had begun his ministry proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He had recruited disciples to follow him. And now he begins healing and a reputation is going around that here is a healer that can maybe solve some of our problems. And before you could think, the house is already crowded, the house that Jesus is at. The text tells us that there is an immense crowd there at that house. Why is that crowd there? What are they doing there? For the same reason, the text tells us that there are four friends who have another friend, the fifth one, who's a paralytic, who they take to the house because they had heard about Jesus. And when they get to the house, the house, the text tells us, is crowded. So what they do is they take their friend, they bring him up to the roof of the house. They cut a hole into the roof. I imagine how the homeowners must have felt with all of that. And they lower their friend right in front of Jesus. The reason why those friends did that. The reason why the crowd was there was because they were not there for Jesus himself. They were not there because they wanted more of God in their life. They had very little idea of the fact that Jesus was God, early in in the gospel accounts here, but they were there because of what God could probably give him through that healer by the name of Jesus They were going to God, not to get God, but they were going to get things from God. I think that that's fair to assume. Because as Jesus' reputation began to grow, outside of chapter 2, we come to chapter 3, verse uh, uh, verse 8, last part of verse 8, we read this, that when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. It was not when the great crowd heard Uh, all that he was preaching, or when they found out who he really was, they came to him. It was because of what he was doing, because of his healings, that they came to him. This guy can solve my problems. This guy can take care. I I heard that he has healed some people in that other village, and maybe there's something here for me. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about ourselves. Because to be frank, The moments in our lives that we feel closer to God. When is it that you feel closer to God? When are you the most open to God? It's exactly when you're going through moments of pain and suffering. See, we know for sure, even though we may not know specifically why we go through certain moments of suffering and pain in life, we know that pain is an opportunity, can be a guide to lead us closer to God. That friend of mine that I shared with you, and in the introduction of the sermon that called me, saying that his wife was going to a hospice was coming to their house, was a man. I think I've shared this with you in the past. Um, he trains with me uh, jujitsu. I I I I spar with him. And about a year or so ago, he said, "Hey, I I know you're a pastor. I." I I like you. You're a great man. But I just want to let you know that I'm an atheist. I said, well, Marco, I never asked you uh, what you believed in. But thank you very much for uh, letting me know that you are an atheist. I just want to let you know that I'm an atheist. I don't know if he was saying, please don't come and try to preach to me. Or let's keep our relationship in the mats. All right? Let's let's not get into the religious sphere. I, I don't know what he was doing. But he said that to me. And then about a couple months ago... After a session, I was sitting by the wall, and he comes to me, you know, and I'm, you know, drying with my sweat with my towel, and he comes and he says, "Hey, listen, um, you know I'm an atheist." I right? so said, "Yes, I think you've told me that before." <laughs> he says, "But my my wife's treatment uh, is not working, and uh, I don't know if 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 there's a God, I don't know if if there's any powers out there, but if there are, I want you to pray." for her. And I want you to pray for me. Can you do that? And I prayed for him at that very moment. And then he kept updating me on how she was doing. And I've been praying for him every time we've seen each other. I haven't forgotten you. I've been praying for you. And then this week, he said, the treatment is not working. And he was crying. And he is saying, he is saying to me, he says, you know, I, I've told you that I'm an atheist. I said, yes, I, this is probably the third or fourth time you've, you've told me that. And he said, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I believe, but I'll tell you this, for the last week I've been praying every day. The reason why maybe some of you are at church today, the, the reason why maybe some of you have been awakened to a, a spiritual reality or you're pursuing that or you're, you're seeking that is because you are going through something hard or maybe because somebody in your life is going through something hard. And you're saying to yourself, if there's any hope, if there's anything out there, I want some sort of interference. That's normal. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, is a very famous book. He, he wrote this about this very issue. He said, uh, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt, pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. I love this. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. Pain can be a guide to draw you closer to Jesus. And Jesus knows that. You know what the text tells us? I don't know if you've noticed this, but towards uh, the end, as, as, as the man is lowered, as Jesus speaks to that man, the text tells us that Jesus is reading everybody's intentions. The text tells us that Jesus has these powers to not only discern what's happening on the surface on on what the eyes are able to see, but what's happening underneath the surface, what's happening at the heart level, what's happening at the soul. Jesus knows what the religious class is thinking, and he interacts with their thoughts. Jesus knows what's happening in that man's heart. He reads the whole room in every way. He knows, he is fully aware of what's happening, what's taking place in people's hearts. And Jesus knows, here, here's, here's what, why I think this is good news, okay? Jesus knows that all those people are there, not because they believe he is God, but that God could give something to them through Jesus. Jesus knows that the reason why they are there is because they're using him. Now, Now, think about this. I want to drive this a little closer to home. What if you were able to see the intentions of people's hearts? the people that start to befriend you, the people that are, that, that, that are in your lives. If you could discern if they were there for you or they were there because of things you could give them. They didn't care about you. They cared about maybe the clout that they would gain by having a relationship with you. They cared about the money that you can maybe offer them or certain comforts or the people that you can introduce them to just by being in that relationship. If you really know the intention if you knew the intention of people's hearts and why they're close to you, many of you would be very disappointed. You would like move three seats that way, maybe even. And many of you have found out that about others, that the, through hard moments, that the only reason why they were there was not because they cared for you, was that it was, it was there, there for other things, things that you could offer them. We hate fake people. But here's Jesus surrounded by people that are there using him. And you know what? He doesn't say, why don't you guys get all out of the house? I know why you're here. You're not here for me. You're here because of what I can give you. He doesn't mind. See, we have here in this passage an insight into the mercy and in the grace of Jesus. That even though we go to God sometimes not to get him but to get things from him... He knows that and he doesn't mind to give it to us still because he is filled with grace and he is full of mercy. And if we really realize that, that would teach us something about Jesus so that we could be a little bit more like him. What if we were a little bit more like Jesus? Regardless of people's motivations, we were there for them. We were there to give, to exercise Generosity. I think that we would do a lot more good in the world. But this text also is vested with an invitation for us. And even though you may be seeking God in this very moment, or you may seek God in the future because of moments of pain and suffering, don't forfeit the opportunity to go to Him just because you're in pain. Allow your pain to lead you to Jesus. He's okay with that. He has his arms wide open. He's willing to meet and he's willing to receive you and he's willing to interact with you. He's willing to heal you. He is the healer. Allow your pain to bring you closer to him, not away from him, but closer to him. It's okay. He's there for you. And when you come and when you meet with him, you will realize something unbelievable. In fact, you will be surprised. That leads us to point two, the the surprising nature of Jesus' miracles. You know, when they lowered the man, the first thing that Jesus says to the man is very surprising. It's surprising to the live audience there. It's surprising to us readers The words that come out of Jesus' mouth when that man is placed right in front of him. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? Your sins are forgiven? Jesus, I thought you had better common sense. (laughs) Look at this man. People are probably thinking that. Look at this man. He can't retrieve his limbs. He's all stretched out in this this bed. He can't walk. It's visible. We know this guy. You've probably seen him. Look, we know that his problem is not how you're trying to solve it. Your sins are forgiven. He needs healing. He needs what some others received just a few days ago. That's why your friends, the friends went through all of the effort to put him in front of you. And then he comes right in front of you after all that work, all that hard work, and you say to him, your sins are forgiven? Are you kidding me? See, in this very moment, Jesus is revealing the reason why he has come. And when we really realize why Jesus has come, it is surprising. He surprises us. When we truly see who Jesus is, we are surprised. Why? Number one, because Jesus, through that line, through that sentence, he is communicating the fact that our problem is bigger than we thought it was. They thought that that man's ultimate problem was his impaired body. Jesus is saying, no, his problem and your problem is way bigger than that. But he's also surprising us by revealing to us that his cure goes way beyond our imagination. That the work that he wants to do in our lives, it's a full and complete work. Now the problem is that we only see our problems as that which is on the surface. And we go to God asking God for pain medication and not from for real healing medication. That's a difference, right? There's a difference in pain medication. Pain medication allows you to cope with the pain, but the problems stay there, but there are medications that actually tackle the problem. It invites the antibodies in to heal or whatnot. And we're many times going to God, just, just take away the pain, just relieve the pain. And he says, no, I want to take care of the source of the pain. I want to go deeper, That's what Jesus is doing to this man. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Imagine you see this uh, birthmark in your face. And you've made enough money that you say, I don't like this birthmark. I'm going to go to the dermatologist or the plastic surgeon, and I'm going to remove this birthmark. And you go there, and you say, hey, I uh, I hate this birthmark here. Uh, Could you please remove it? He says, let me run some tests. And then as he runs tests, he notices, and he finds out that underneath that birthmark, there's a cancer. Do you go to the doctor and say, "Uh, don't treat the cancer. I'm here just for the birthmark. Or do you say, hey, go ahead and take the birthmark and take part of my face if you have to, but I don't want this cancer. See, I feel that sometimes many of us are coming to Jesus, asking Jesus just to take care of the birthmarks. Just give me some pain medication. And Jesus is saying, yeah, sure, I, I don't mind giving you the pain medication. Sure, I don't mind removing this, uh, this thing from your face that, you know, makes you feel a, a little less than others, okay, that, that makes you a, a little bit more aesthetically pleased. I don't mind dealing with some of these things. But let me touch where I want to touch. Let me touch. Let me go to where your problems really are. Let me put my hands in there. And I want to really, truly heal you. And you know why that makes total sense for two reasons. Two reasons. Because number one, I'm not saying that all physical pain is related to something spiritual or emotional. But there may be, may be, I'll underline the maybe. Okay, there may be. Some physical pains, some chronic pains that you're going through that is connected to past trauma in your life. There's a book entitled The uh, Body Keeps Scores that says when you go through traumatic experiences, sometimes you don't remember all the details, but your body keeps the score. You feel it when, when there triggers that happen and take place. And what Jesus is saying is like, what if, what if that's the case in your life? not saying that it is, but what if that's the case and I can heal your heart and remove the pain? No, 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 just take the pain. No, 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 I want to go deep. He wants to go deep. But moreover, moreover, do you think that, let me ask you this question. Do you think that this man, after he was healed by Jesus, after he picked up his bed and walked, do you think that he ever... Felt pain again? Class? Of course he did. Did that man live forever? He felt pain again. He got sick again for sure. And one day he died. So, by healing his body, Jesus did not solve his whole problem, but by healing his heart, he did. <laughs> But by touching his soul, by forgiving him of his sins, Jesus did. And we look and we're amazed at the fact that here is this, you know, crippled guy that Jesus heals and he's able to walk again. Wow! But we never amaze at hearts that are healed and restored and forgiven by God. (laughs) We are amazed at the healing that happens on the surface. We're never amazed at the healing that happens at the soul, at the heart level. And by healing that man in the way that he did first, by forgiving him of his sins, by making him right with God at that very moment, Jesus was prepping him from pain, for pain and suffering in the future. And I'm sure that as he went through other experiences of pain and suffering, as he witnessed other people going through pain and suffering, he for sure had a different outlook on pain and suffering from that moment on. See, when Jesus heals your heart and you go through pain and suffering in the future, you go through it differently because now you're no longer angry at God. You're no longer blaming yourself. You're no longer blaming others. It's a different outlook. You know that there may be some purpose that God has there and He wants to build you and and therefore there is peace that comes with that. It's a different outlook so that every time that you go to God, you don't go to God just to get things from Him, but to get God Himself. That's the healing that Jesus offers to that man. He offers to you and I here today. He wants to go underneath the surface. Will you let Him go underneath the surface? Maybe that which is on the surface has brought you to Him, but he doesn't want to stop there. He wants to go deeper. Will you allow him? Will you allow Jesus to go deeper? He's saying to you, I, I'm not every type of healer. I'm a healer who is a savior. I haven't come just to take care of your surface wounds. I want to take care of your heart wound. Will you allow me to go there? See, in essence, the question that he poses to the religious class who is judging him For saying that he can forgive that man's sins is the same question that he poses to you and I here today. What is the question that we read here? He says, Why are you guys thinking that? Why are you guys questioning me? What's easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or you are healed? What's easier? See, Jesus is asking you and I that question. What's easier? Jesus is asking you through that question, what is the greatest work do you think I can do in your life? Right now, in your moment of pain, what do you think is the biggest healing that I can deliver to you? Do you know? Do you want it? Will you welcome? Will you surrender? If you do, you will encounter hope. That's the surprising nature of Jesus' healings. But also we learn in the text the hope that it brings. And I want to call your attention to a word that repeats itself three times here in this passage. In verse 9, Jesus asks the question, What's, what is it easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or rise? Rise. Take up your bed and walk, underline the word rise. In verse 11, he actually says to the man, after saying to the Pharisees, so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, he says to the man, rise. And then in verse 12, the man rose. You know, one thing you learn about uh, Scripture is that uh, there is a plot line in every book of the Bible. And it's not any different in the gospel here of Mark. That things that Mark chooses to say and words that he chooses to describe some of these events are words that are connected to what would happen later in his gospel account. If you are familiar with the gospel of Mark or read commentaries, you would know that the same word that's used here in verses 9 and 11 and 12 The word for rise is the same word that appears later on after Jesus is crucified, buried, and what happens on Easter Sunday. What Mark is doing is he's connecting this event as he does every other event in his gospel to that which Jesus would do later on the cross and on the empty grave. that the reason why Jesus could say to that man, rise, and he rose, is because Jesus rose from the dead. That later, several chapters later, he would rise from the dead. It's because before rising from the dead, Jesus was willing to take that man's place. On the cross, Jesus takes not only that man's place, but mine and your place. In the book of Isaiah... It says that it was through his wounds, it was through his sufferings that we were healed. It was because Jesus was willing to take all of our pain and all of our suffering caused by sin in our lives and in this world. The physical ailments, the spiritual ailments, the psychological ailments on the cross. And he was able to deal with that and rise from the dead. You and I can have access to the resurrection power today. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he was giving full evidence of what he would be doing to the world. His resurrected body, which was a body but was no longer subject to corruption, is a sample, is the prototype of the new creation that has been unleashed through the resurrection of Jesus into the world. And that same power lives in us. The Apostle Paul says that the spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. And if we knew that, oh man, we would live empowered lives. And therefore, this is how the miracles and the healings of Jesus bring hope to us today. Because they point to a future reality. Look, the healings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus were not suspensions of the natural order. They were the restoration of the natural order and a foretaste of the world that's coming. Jesus is not performing miracles to impress people so that they can, he can build a bigger following. Otherwise, he would be like, hey, guys, look how I do back flips on the sky. When Jesus performs these miracles, he's saying, listen, look at this. The world was not created originally this way. Bodies were not supposed to decay. There was no death in the world, relationships would not fall apart we 're not created to fall apart, but they do, and every time he puts things back together, he heals bodies, he heals relationships, he heals our our souls. He is saying, this is the type of world that I am rebuilding i 'm bringing things back to its purpose, and I want you to see in my ministry and you I want you to believe in what I have come to accomplish. And that you would be assured of the future that's ahead. That's why there were miracles. They were bearing evidence of the world that God is rebuilding through Jesus Christ. And therefore, Jesus does not mind, going back to the first question in the beginning, He does not mind healing our bodies, even though we're not really necessarily sometimes wanting more of Him, but wanting what He can give Because through those healings, and I believe that God still heals today. He heals people left and right. He's used me and others through prayer to heal people. I believe in that. And He does that because He wants to reassure us of the world that's coming. He wants us to be reassured as a word is preached to you in the same fashion that a word brings reassurance of the world that he's building, of the hope of the gospel through miracles, through healings, he reassures us of the future and allows us to cope with hope in the present. After all, after all, hope is not for the future. Hope is for the present the ground are wavering wandering hearts in the present assuring us of the future that's coming and what i want to tell you here this morning is this is that i don't know why you have come i don't know why you are seeking i don't know why you are praying asking others to pray i don't know why you are exploring faith but regardless the healer is in the room today who it's not me I believe that Jesus is in the room today. The healer is in the room, and he's eager to meet with you. He's eager to heal you. He wants to touch your wounds, all of them. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal those broken relationships in your life. He wants to heal your trust towards people. But he also wants to heal your bodies. There are bodies that are broken. There are lives that are broken. He wants to heal you. He is here in this room, and he wants to meet you today. And all that you need is enough faith to touch him. As I was about to hang my call with my friend Marco, he was saying, hey, um, listen, she's um, about to die, and you know what, I'm an atheist. I said, I think you've said that for the maybe fourth or fifth time. But he said, hey, something is something, uh, it, strange. I want to believe this. I really want to. And I said, you should But I don't know, I can't make sense of it. And I said, look, what saves us is not the quality of our faith, but the object of our faith. You only need enough faith to reach out to Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. But if you have just this little faith, the size of a mustard seed, enough to touch Jesus, he is ready to meet you and heal. And I said, Marco, there's two options. You can either plunge yourself into despair right now of the uncertain and the unknown, of the abyss, where you can plunge yourself right now to the mercy and the grace of God that's being offered to you in Jesus Christ. He says, "I'll think about it." And maybe that's you today. Maybe you need more time to think about it, but there's a moment right now. There's a moment right now that God wants you to experience His touch.